You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Happy New Year, Christy. Happy New Year. <laughs> Welcome to 2024. Ah, we're here and it's going to go just as fast, if not faster as 2023. <laughs> 2023, there were like very, some very slow seasons, but then a lot of it did go really fast. That was your life. <laughs> You're even like it went really fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird sitting here looking at my, in my, in this call, I'm realizing how much black is actually in my wardrobe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's an easy color. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's the color of my heart. So there you go. <laughs> that is not true. That is not true. No, that's going to be, that's my new year's resolution is to warm up my heart. There you go. How about Aww, that? There you go. <laughs> you have a very warm heart. I, yeah, I do, but it's, it's kind of funny to think about anyway. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to? I think, can I guess? Yes. Yes. I'm going to guess that you're just looking forward to, uh, women cycling in 2024. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so good. <laughs> I wasn't actually what I was going to say, but I, okay. I am actually quite excited about that because there's of course the tour de France Femmes, which is going to go up out the West next summer. There's the Olympics. I think the grand prix, like third year, those things often hit their stride and so many women coming back. I think it's going to be really good racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think like cycling is poised to kind of have a, a it's, it's a moment where kind of stop putting up with the bullshit and saying yeah. like almost like a me too moment. So we talked about that with, uh, Abby that it hasn't I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's on the verge. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. What about you? Sorry. Um, <clears throat> I am super excited about women's cycling, women's racing in 2024. I'm also excited to see what uh, we do with Feisty in 2024 and just kind of like feeling there's some growth opportunities there too. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to our mechanics camp. Um, I'm looking forward to teaching more women how to, and I think that's going to be really fun in 2024. So, yeah. That was one of my, well, I think because I've had such a funky few years as far as like the moving that I had that mm-hmm. for the shoulder and like, I, I'm just starting to turn a corner where I feel like good about endurance training again. And I just haven't enjoyed riding my bike the last few years because I haven't mm-hmm. felt fit and I haven't had the energy or the space to feel fit. So I'm actually quite excited about that and kind of riding a lot in Patagonia and then, um, I think some people from my gym were looking at doing the Seattle to Portland, which is not a gravel ride, but it's like a really cool thing out here at the STP. And then uh, a big group of us are going to Rebecca's private Idaho, which we'll be talking a little bit more about. That's exciting. I'm I'm looking at that. Like, I think I'm going to try to make that fit back into the. I think you should, because I think there might be a girls going gravel party there. I'm sure there will be. <laughs> we might need you for a podcast. I don't think that's a cat's out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, it's going to be, I'm looking forward to the year. 
Yeah, me too. Very much so. So who we got, who we kicking off with? (laughs) Um, Well, we had a really fun conversation right before the holidays with Deanna Mays and no males. That's how you say it. Deanna Mays. Yes. I'm just never me. Hey, it's okay. My New Year's resolution needs to be to work on names. I actually think your New Year's resolution is just to embrace it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not going to get them right. Um, uh, Deanna Mays. Yes. Fascinating. She works in the industry. She's racing in the Grand Prix. She's an engineer. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Hey, all it's your editor, Lindsay here. I want you to get ready to ante up for the ultimate gravel challenge this summer. Join us at the 2024 Trans Rockies Gravel Royale, where adventure awaits in the breathtaking Canadian Rockies. Experience the thrill of a unique three-day stage race surrounded by stunning scenery on secluded gravel roads in the British Columbia backcountry. With two distance options, the full pint or half pint distances, there's a challenge for every level of rider. And forget about logistics, Trans Rockies has you covered. Fully supported with tents, meals, aid stations, technical support, and even massage services, so all you have to do is focus on the ride. You'll stay at the picturesque Nipica Mountain Resort, nestled in the heart of the Rockies, and celebrate your achievements with daily podium awards, group dinner, and custom design memorabilia. After the ride, you can unwind at Chillville with cold refreshments, music, games, and camaraderie with your fellow riders. Don't miss out on this epic adventure. Register now at transrockiesgravelroyale.com and use the code ggg 24 GR100 to save $100 off your entry. The link and discount codes will be in the show notes of this episode. Embrace the challenge, conquer the gravel, and create memories that will last a lifetime. So go all in with us for Trans Rockies Gravel Royale this August. Well, hello, ladies. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, we're so glad that we we finally made this work. So we have Deanna and do you say male? Mate, how do you say your last name? I didn't Deanna, ask before. Deanna Males. Males, like male, but it's spelled with a Y. Mm-hmm. It right. it trips a lot of people up. Yeah. So we've been trying to have you on for a few weeks, and your schedule's been crazy. So it's been off and on, off and off and on. Um. So we're excited that we got it to work out and we're recording in December, but this is going to come out. You'll be one of our first guests of 2024. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. It's like <laughs> new year. The new year. <laughs> Happy new year, everybody. <laughs> even though it's December 11th today, yeah. <laughs> but that freaks me out because even though it's not far away, I'm like, it's not yet, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, it, yeah, it's two weeks till Christmas as we're recording this but Christmas is over as you're listening to this well even like with the date I've been writing I've accidentally been writing 2024 like normally it's almost delayed but it came soon and I'm like it's not 2024 yet I've been doing that too I don't know if it's like maybe we're just ready for a new year anticipation (laughs) well uh Deanna, we always like to start with our guests just talking about how did you get on the bike? What's your story and how did you end up racing on the bike? And you had a great year in the Grand Prix and are coming back for 2024, I think, right? Yep. Yep. That's my plan. That'll be definitely the highlight of my season is the Grand Prix again. Um, but yeah, I think my story is really similar to a lot of other women 
um, that got into biking is just through my dad, actually. Um, so I think that was maybe 10 years ago when I was in college, he was really getting to, into riding more and more and was looking for a strong riding partner. And I had a good athletic background in running. Um, so I picked up the bike and pretty much immediately <laughs> showed some skills and um, really loved it. Um, so I went back to college that next year and joined a club team. Um, didn't actually race. They were kind of more of a club riding crew um, and really was into commuting and just living on a bike. And that's what I really loved is just getting out there. Um, after college, um, I went to school at Ohio State. So that was in Ohio. I got a job in Tucson. So little did I know when I moved there, um, I thought like, okay, it's outdoor hiking Mecca, but like it was almost this new form of biking, mountain biking. And it kind of combined all the things I loved with hiking, but like faster paced. Um, so definitely picked up how to mountain bike and learned there and then um, worked there for a couple years and ended up getting a different job in Colorado with SRAM, which brought me out to Colorado Springs. And then, then I was kind of more of a mountain biker and not really a road biker anymore. Um, and I think in my second year of working at SRAM, we were uh, sponsoring a race in town called the Pikes Peak Apex. So that was in 2020. And um, it was a three-day Oh, as at the time, it was actually a four day stage race. And I just signed up like two days before registration closed. And that was like the first time I ever dipped my toes into racing. Right in the time for the pandemic result. to close it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like the weird thing for a lot of people. It's like, well, it kind of ended racing. There's so few races to do, but that's actually like, I'm almost like a COVID racer. Like there's these COVID oh. riders, but there's COVID. <laughs> I'd call myself a COVID racer. Um, but yeah, there weren't like too many opportunities the following year, but kind of eased into it. And then a couple years later, I'm in the Grand Prix at the top of it, which is pretty amazing and exciting and unexpected for myself. You And you have a job in the industry. Yeah. So I went to school for mechanical engineering. And when I moved to Tucson, I actually was a test engineer on mining trucks. So oh my God. the mining industry, which is like an outrageous experience of my life, just working on basically two-story machines. Like I'm responsible for testing that equipment and getting all the information back to design engineers. Um, but just having a passion um, with bikes, I always hoped to work in the bike industry. Um, so after a couple years of getting great experience, I was able to then land my current role at SRAM. So I've been here about five years as a reliability engineer. And what does I a reliability engineer so cool. do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's um, related to testing. Um, but the idea is, you know, you can test a few products to make um a prediction of how long the products will last in the field. So we try and estimate um, how the products are used and we test them um, with tons of machines. And basically we find the life of it in, in years to make sure our products are meeting all of the 
one, safety requirements, but also our super high performance requirements, and they last years and years to come. Have you ever had a product fail? Well, I mean, that's the whole idea behind reliability is actually make it fail. (laughs) Yeah, you make it fail. So you understand where that point is. And then if it's like unacceptable, then you can figure out, you know, how, like what failed and how can we design this to be better? And it's all like a based on statistics and calculations that you can find that point. Um, Yeah. But of course, like, yeah, you definitely find the point of failure to improve upon that. Okay, now we got to pick your brain about products. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I am curious though, like which, because people are always like, what products are worth investing more in, in mm. your opinion, like from learning? And what is it like if you're just like, this is fine, like, you know? Yeah, I think it depends what, what bike we're talking about, but maybe on a gravel bike. Um, think drivetrain is like the most important thing. Um, it, if it's shift, it's, it's almost like at that point, the efficiency of the drivetrain is whether it's clean and running smooth. That's almost more important than maybe upgrading to something that's a little bit lighter weight. And so obviously is washing your bike actually is really important. <laughs> yeah. Washing your bike, keeping it clean, lubing the chain, like those really basic things will actually get you more than maybe a slightly lighter weight part. Um, But yeah, on something like a mountain bike, I think suspension is probably like the most important thing, just getting that dialed in and set up. And almost the same ideas, the setup is maybe more important than buying the nicest tier. Yeah, nicest, lightest. Um, So yeah, getting things to work for you is going to get your biggest bang for your buck I suppose yeah and then which component like are you like this is the one that you need to like check every year and see if you need to switch it out or something I mean obviously your chain right and your brake pads but um I would say the one thing that you should totally put on your list that isn't probably there yet is if you have electronic shifting and in the controller like at the handlebar there's a small coin cell battery And it's almost like just swap that out once a year because it's the worst thing ever when you don't and you're on a ride and that dies because some of the other stuff you could swap the batteries around, but that one is so specific. Hmm. So when you're checking your smoke alarm batteries, change out your bike shifting battery. (laughs) Yeah. Homeowner to do. (laughs) I like it. Well, I'm curious then, because you're an engineer, which is a male-dominated field, and then you're a woman in the industry. As an like, what is it like working in the industry? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say, coming from the mining industry, I would say the that's a little worse. (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe at the time, I was maybe four women of two hundred. Then, and like the ratio here at SRAM is so much better than that. Um, And certainly we're an engineering dominated building because this is the mountain bike development center in Colorado Springs. Um, But there's a bunch of other marketing and um, like film and and technical document teams here. So pretty, 
it's, I think it's almost maybe 50, 50, like in the building. And then certainly within the field of engineering, SRAM has done um, a much better job than like other industries in hiring people of all backgrounds. Nice. Did how, I mean, and this is just me being naive, being a mechanical engineer in the mining industry, how did that translate into the cycling industry? Um, so previously I was a test engineer, so it's almost like, uh, it's a okay. totally different product and like one's certainly more complex than the other, but like the ideas are pretty much the same. You design it, you test it, you make sure it's meeting all your performance and safety specifications and um, take that data and help almost the design engineers make those decisions on what they should do if they should change it. So it's the same like kind of general idea. Um, but certainly if you want to work in the bike industry, I wouldn't say that's the path to go. Um, <laughs> Don't, don't work in mining, mining first. <laughs> yeah, definitely not the traditional path. Um, but it's certainly more like even when before I started working full time as an engineer, um, I wanted to work in the bike industry. So it's more just like uh, you get a job that pays the bills and eventually like you land something that you're so passionate about. And sometimes it just takes a couple years. So it's more like I tried and tried and finally found the right fit. Oh, that's good. And then, so you're working closely with the design team. Yep. Design and test teams. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when in the process do you start working? Obviously before it goes this out is, the door. This is interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think it's funny. We're not like, we're not talking about bike riding. We're like, how does this work? Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, traditionally designers, you know, there's like early concept phase and they just see if their new product is working. And once they're kind of a little bit sure on the direction they want to go, then they'll get more samples in. Um, and then at that point, we'll start testing them to say, is this on point? Is it not on point? Like, where does it stand with respect to the product you're iterating on and like the history of our products? So, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely different builds and then each stage you'll get kind of more concrete parts or part parts that are more like production. So there's different, maybe a few different times that all step in and, and help the team um, either make some decisions or see where they're at. Um, so yeah, that's all over the course of like the whole idea. And then once it's released and it's out in the market and it's being produced, the, then a different person comes to me. Then maybe, for example, the quality engineer and I will work closely together if, hey, we've had some deviation and we want to see um, what you think about it. So then kind of once it's released, it's out of the designer's hands and it's more of like a sustaining um, quality engineering uh, thing that I'll work with them. Oh, that's cool. That's, yeah. So anybody that's listening to this and is like, <laughs> Uh, uses SRAM components. And you're like, I don't know how that component is. Just contact Deanna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Give you all and, the inside scoop. <laughs> yeah. The, and I definitely work a little bit more closely with um, RockShox specific products uh, just because that's the office I'm at and they see me a lot more. Um, but yeah, I've definitely worked on a ton of different products and helped different teams. Um, but the funny, cool thing is also 
My husband also works here at Ceram, and he's a design engineer um, on rear shocks. <laughs> so we're so you're like, you screwed this up, buddy. <laughs> no, usually his his one um his one project that he's done at this point, which was um the Sid Lux, so rear shock Sid, it's actually been a huge improvement, and it's really cool to see something that he's working on and uh, I can collaborate on. Um, but yeah, we're just in it really deep. I'd say. I'm wondering <laughs> what that pillow talk is like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of bike talk a little bit too much, but it's almost like we both love it. So well, that's it's, the thing, it's is not ever too it. much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's something you're both passionate and interested in. So it's, it's, it's kind of perfect. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ceram okay. scored after extra after hours uh, work. Just by definitely, by, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious though. So now back to you and your racing and track. Do you feel like this job and really understanding how your bike works does that help? Like you getting the the most out of your your bike? Because I do feel like a lot of times people don't know their bike really well, and so they lo- lose a little bit of their performance on like just not even understanding like what you can do with it. Uh, yeah, 100%. Like, there's no question about it. Even I just think back to when before I worked at SRAM and loved riding mountain bikes, and there'd be a bunch of dials and knobs. And I mean, at the time of learning how to ride, and even a few years after it didn't really know what they did. Um, So definitely, like, becoming uh, a more skilled rider at SRAM, you're asked to participate and give your input on how products perform and that almost even then like harnesses your skills to pick up on nuances of a trail or like what a certain product and maybe specifically suspension is doing and like then you give feedback to the designers and that's almost like a you know a perk of the job of working at SRAM you get to work on the newest most innovative product um and like developing myself is understanding how the product works definitely translates to racing um just because I know there's a lot of racers out there who yeah who were me a few years ago who don't know what these knobs are doing um so that's one thing and then the other thing is having your husband being a design engineer in suspension a really cool thing he did for me was he worked on a special tune for my bike um so it's almost like internals and working with the, with the flow in different shim stacks um, in the development of his project, I kind of gave him feedback and yeah, we like got to tweak my bike in a certain way that makes it a little bit more race ready. Yeah. And I also like that there's a woman giving him direct feedback because things are different on the saddle <laughs> for us. Yeah, totally. And that's a big thing too, that SRAM's really been improving on even through me and a couple other women is, you know, biking can be like pretty broy. And when you only have men giving input to men on that product, like it's not necessarily designed for men, but that's almost like the outcome. Yeah. So once we're starting to get, okay, recognizing, Hey, Deanna's a good rider. This is, this person's a great rider. Let's get their feedback. It, it, I've come into scenarios where they were really stoked on a prod, like a certain direction. And then once they widened their scope, they're like, wow, this actually doesn't work for all riders and all body types and all weights. 
So that's been like a really cool thing that I've been able to give my input on as, you know, probably a lighter rider being female. Um, yeah, it's just like, we're just making product better for everyone across the board. And it isn't just product made by men for men. It's, it's for all people now. That's awesome. Yeah. I yeah, love that. that. That makes so much sense. Um, and it just, it becomes organic. Yeah. And it's not even something that you can realize until you have that experience yeah. like, Oh yeah, it'll work the same. Well, actually no, like the sags, different pressures are different, like all kinds of stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just been a really cool experience, almost like being in the, the in crowd with certain designers and, and being like valued for your feedback. Well, I love that you're valued for your feedback because I don't think that's always happened in the industry. You know, like you hear Marley Blonsky talk about stories of how she was like, I tried to go buy a bike and like they didn't even know what weight it could hold. And, you know, so I do think it's changing a lot as more people are speaking up and saying, hey, bikes should be for everybody. And when we talk about everybody, like it's what you're saying. It, you can't just be dudes designing and testing. Yeah. Well, I, I met her a few months ago in Bentonville and she's a wonderful, wonderful person. I love the mission. Um, and it's so cool that like, and it's, and like I said before, it's not even like their intent, but it's almost, we need people to feel comfortable enough to speak up and say, Hey, have you considered this, maybe this edge case at that point in their mind, but like, it is a real world scenario. And so, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the big reason why we need to diversify industries, right? It's not just so we have diversity in, it's because different experiences and different voices are going to shape things differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's many reasons just to have different different viewpoints. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're an engineer full-time. Uh, how does that work with training and racing at such a high level? Yeah, um, it's definitely not the easiest Certainly. Um, you have to be a very efficient type of person, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as time limitations, like because I'm so passionate about it and like this is my hobby, then, you know, you're racing on the side of oh, something people do professionally, like kind of almost it's a lifestyle for me at that point. Um and so transitioning from just being a recreational rider to racing professionally, um, it's definitely been more structure, but it's almost not necessarily more time because I was already mm. riding training all weekend mm -hmm. long and like going on bike trips and going somewhere warm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of not a huge shift as long as that's part of your lifestyle. Um, but I actually chatted with a couple people and who, who coach and they gave me some input that, oh yeah, if you didn't even, you know, if you were racing full time and didn't have a job, it's not even that you would be training more. Um, you might even, you might be training a little bit more efficiently and giving more time to recovery. Um, but it, I wouldn't necessarily even be like, yeah, putting in more miles. You'd at that have point. more nap time. Yeah, I'd have more nap time, more uh, maybe bread baking time, <laughs> um, things like that. And it'd certainly be, you know, life would maybe be a little smoother, but it's almost like 
I don't want to drop anything I'm doing because it's everything I want to be doing. It does make for a very full life. Um, And at some point that might get old, but I'm enjoying it all at this this point. I would say on the other side of that too, like a lot of those women and men have to spend a lot of time on their sponsor relationships, building that where when sometimes when you have a full-time job, you don't have to focus on that as much. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing too. So um, yeah, we'll see where that goes, but I think, yeah, it takes a lot of time to maintain those relationships and and keep them going. Um, But yeah, at the same time, um, you know, things might be different if, I was even given an opportunity to content, like almost pursue racing full time. Like um, I'd say at this, this point in my career, like I'm really enjoying every aspect, um, but I haven't necessarily been given all those opportunities to pursue things um, in like a one, one track mind at that point. Yeah. Hmm. So you're saying, (laughs) You're looking for sponsors. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely open to it. I think I could live a slightly less full life. Um, I, like and I love that that's how you're describing the fact that you're really freaking busy. It's just <laughs> my life is really full. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, over time, like, yeah. I mean, I guess even just as the seasons progressed, like, I'd say my thing is I, I kind of went up the rank so quickly. Yeah. And then people are like, well, who's Deanna? We don't want to take a risk maybe on this maybe lesser known person. Um, whereas like other people have worked up and worked up and worked up. Um, but I think like my case is similar to a lot of other women. Like they just come in and out at different points and like suddenly you try and boom, you're at the top. So like I think almost sponsors need to be willing to like, quote unquote, take a risk. Yeah. on cer- certain women just because that's almost like the dynamic of women's sports especially where it sits right now for sure i mean i know i know velocio sponsors you um is that through sram or is that was that did that happen before the merger between sram and velocio um yeah so it was actually before um okay. there's been some relationship there as a brand ambassador um and then um I was going to continue that, but then another team was interested in having me and it was going to be a different clothing uh, kit. So I kind of went to Velocio and said, Hey, I can't continue as a brand ambassador anymore. I'm going to take this, this team opportunity. Um, And they came back and said, yeah, we'd love to sponsor you and um, kind of made it a little bit easier, but it's almost like, well, I'm not a different person than I was before or after I had this offer. Um, but it's almost like once you have other people's interested in you, then you can leverage it. And that's the same with like, yeah, any other job opportunity. Yeah. 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 That's what people I think miss sometimes is like sponsorship is a job. (laughs) You have to negotiate and you have to be savvy. (laughs) I don't know if I could move away from Velocio's clothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I found them just from like, yeah, being that recreational rider and spending so much time on my bike mm-hmm. that I was like, Ooh, these shamus and these shorts are not great. So like 
just then researching and doing a bunch of like, yeah, my own marketing research. I, I found them and <laughs> yeah, like totally found them and loved them for years and years. And like, yeah, they, they create really high quality stuff. They do. So Absolutely. plus the no drop bib is that, that bib is the best no drop in the market. <laughs> it just is. Sorry. I've been getting back on the trainer and I don't want to use my Velocio because I don't like to wash them that much yeah. right? as you do wearing a trainer. But I'm like, so my other, my trainer bibs, I'm like, oh, it's just not as comfortable. Well, it's almost like when you're on a trainer, you need a more comfortable. You do. Because you're just so in Able. one stationary. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm starting on baby trainer rides. So I'm like, I can suck it up for less than an hour so far. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Hour, My, mine is yeah. sitting back there, and I'm like, I got to get back on that thing. <laughs> but yeah, door trainer rides have their own place. I actually and enjoy them because yeah, once efficient. I get my head in the right space, I just don't. My head's not quite there yet. It it was supposed it to, to start colder. Today. Yeah, I'm like, uh. so after we get off this call, I'm gonna hop on it and make sure it's ready for a morning ride. Yeah. So, yeah, the week. thing the thing I do love about the trainer is yeah, like like Catherine um mentioned, just the efficiency. It's mm-hmm. like you don't have to check the tire pressure, you don't have to loop the chain. Uh yeah, just so many it just makes it quick. Yeah. And I feel yep. so good after I do a trainer workout. Like I just feel because I'll like a lot I don't have to wait until my gym opens and the schedule for that. I can just like do it. And um I'm like, oh, I'm so awake and like ready to go for the day. Once I do yep. it. So, or even in the, if I put it off till the afternoon, I'm like, oh, I have more energy. Maybe I need to do one now. I know, right? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only problem is after the, uh, like, I'll go back in the room and I'm like, oh, it's so cold in here now. <laughs> like, because <laughs> I try to drop the temperature so much, it's like not livable anymore. Yeah. Same, same. I've opened the door and I'm in Washington state. And I was like, oh, it's quite cold in here now <laughs> on, on Sunday, yesterday, whatever day of the week that was. Um, well, how have you felt? You were saying some things about like some of the things that have surprised you about being in the women's field before we started recording. Like how, what have you found kind of being in that mix of the top, top athletes or this group you, of where athletes? Where did you end like, up in Grand Prix? Were you sixth, seventh? I was 10th. 10th overall. Top 10. Um, yeah. Seriously coming into it and being top 10 in the Grand Prix, that's incredible, especially at the lineup of those events. So, yeah, I, that was my goal at the beginning of the year, you know, top 10, that's podium. That's obviously everyone's goal, but I was like, I don't, I said it to people, but I was like, I don't know if I could really do it. Like, just because there's so many great, great women and, you know, I was a little untested. I wasn't yeah. sure what what my capability was. So that's that was really cool. Um, but as far as yeah, what surprised me, um, you know, before I raced in the Grand Prix, I was kind of just doing like local and regional stuff, and there'd be some of the same women. Um, but I would just say, having been in the Grand Prix and like it's almost, you have to prove yourself a little bit to some people. So it's almost like I'll try, I've tried, you know, two years ago to talk to the same person and it was just easier last year. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of that, I would say. Um, but once you get to know everyone, 
certainly there's been the women who've been doing it their whole life, like Hannah Otto and Alexis Garda, people like that. But there's a lot of newcomers, um, which is really cool. Uh, just people who, you know, I thought coming into it, oh, everyone's going to have been do done this for years and years, but like maybe half the field uh, in the women's field are relatively, yeah, newcomers and, or new to racing or even new to the bike. Um, the bike wasn't necessarily new to me, but just that component of making it super competitive was, but. Yeah. I can't imagine. Cause you were, you, I mean, you are newer to the whole bike racing scene and then stepping in on that platform. Was so big. That was good. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess another thing is just, um, you can surprise yourself with what a little bit of confidence can do. Um, I like that. Yeah. Just seeing so many, yeah, quote unquote, big names and lining up to them, lining up next to them. Oh, they just have sponsors all over the kit. <laughs> nice, nice looking stuff. And like, you're like, oh gosh, like obviously they should be ahead of me. And then suddenly in the race, you know, you're next to them and then, there's been a couple of times where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't pass this person. How could I pass this person? They're, they're maybe quote unquote, so much better than me. But then, you know, you have a couple races where you end up better than these people who should be in front of you. Um, and then kind of you gain more confidence and then suddenly you're then reaching your potential. So I think that's been a thing for me that isn't unique to women is like, there isn't anyone else really pumping us up and that's something you have to do for myself through experience. And wow. now I can feel confident and look down and go, Oh yeah, I do have the nice kid and I do have this and Got the I'm on the same level. Yeah. yeah. So you, you raced in the red kit mostly this year. That was yep. the one thing I noticed. So what, what are you going to race in next year? Yeah. So again. I know There's, <laughs> so they're, they sent me the new, um, yeah, spring collection. And yeah. so there's some new colors coming out. I haven't totally decided. Um, they need to make but... a custom kit. You're in the Grand Prix, Velocio. I don't know. That's kind of what I liked about it. Like I, I loved knowing exactly where Deanna was, like the kit stood out and it was, um, it was, it was subtle and also very classy. It was like, that's, that fucking rocks. <laughs> that's what I always thought. I was like, that's awesome. So, yeah, that was, you know, the, I really did like the clean, clean look of it. Um, they don't actually oh do God, custom, custom jerseys. Um, it's kind of, option. I'm just kidding. They, they, <laughs> they will, if you pay. Oh, yeah, I do like that one, the <laughs> red and the, with the yellow sleeves. Yeah. The mustard yeah. Sleeves. But um, I might add a couple like more you know, logos for, I want to add SRAM and some RockShox stuff and a couple other sponsors. You should so be I like, I'm the engineer and I know what I'm talking about when I give you advice on your bike. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I picked that one just because it was super bright and, uh, you know, everyone is, has a lot of muted colors. So when my husband's looking for me, he could pick me out from a oh, distance yeah. away. So it, that's it, why it, we went with yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. I could see you on the start line. I was like, you know, I picked up on it. I think your trading card was even in that kit, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, when I saw the trading card, I was like, oh, oh, she's got the red kit. I love that kit. Um, and then 
like after the second race, I was like, oh, she's going to race that kit the whole year. That's freaking <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And the nice thing with um, Velocio is like, yeah, you can wear whatever you want. There's other colors. And, but I was like, ah, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't beat that one. Yeah. You got to do the brand of the same kit all year. So people recognize you race to race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. That makes the most sense. I love what you're saying about that though. Cause I do think that's very relatable for most women mm-hmm. and the, what stops us a lot of times from doing things is like that. I don't feel the confidence. It's actually, you get the confidence often by just showing up and doing it when you're scared out of your mind. Yeah. That's what I found myself. And certainly like, yeah, I have an aptitude for riding and racing and stuff like that, but like, I didn't necessarily always know that. Um, and that first race in 2020 for four days in a row at the time, I was like, can I even do four days in a row? Um, and then I did and placed well, and there were great, great competition there. Um, the following year in 2021, I did the same event as well as this kind of like grassroots. It's kind of not a race, um, but it's through Colorado Endurance Series. It's called the Monarch Mindbender. And it's about 90 miles and um, 12,000 feet of climbing. And it was just a really, really long day on the bike and people just show up. And I was that day, I was like, well, I don't know if I can do this, but I was like, let's just see how far I can go. And I finished. And I think I like of everyone, I was the only woman to start that day. And I placed fifth of like maybe 25 total people, but it kind of just showed me, oh, wow. Like you can do this. Like really, that's a really exceptionally crazy event. Um, but it just showed me, wow, like if you just show up, you can like blow yourself away with what you can do. So it all is like building blocks throughout, throughout different years. Taking that. On that. <laughs> well, is there an event that you're looking forward to going back now that you've done the Grand Prix events this year that you're like, now I have this confidence and I can shop with it. Um, well, definitely all the Grand Prix races, I think, um, you know, each are different and suits a different skill set. Um, but yeah, I think in general, like going out harder and going with the main group of women is going to be really critical for me to kind of stick with them and know that I can. Um, but kind of outside of those events, there's one in particular mountain bike race that I'm really excited for. That's not in the Grand Prix, but is the Whiskey Off-Road. Oh, um, and yeah. yeah, so that race is kind of the race I was thinking of when I was describing, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't go out before this person, but it almost like kind of set me back. And I ended up on the day, um, uh, came in third. So Sophia and Alexis were first and second. And then like throughout the day, I kept seeing like glimpses of them, but I was almost like making up time for time I had lost because of almost my mindset at that point. Yeah. So I think that race just really suits me and is long enough and technical enough that I think like a win is definitely possible. And so that's going to be, yeah, my first uh, race. I'm really, really looking forward to next year. Awesome. Exciting. And you, you, you did react for the Grand Prix in 2024, correct? Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, we'll look forward to following you there, but if people want to connect with you on social media or send you questions about components <laughs> or send you questions about the stream, 
where can they find you? Yeah. So I have uh, an Instagram and it's at Deanna.mails, my last name. And your last name is Yes. Yep. Yes. Well, thanks for making this work. I know it's been crazy with your work schedule and we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.